You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Sport Matters podcast number 48, where I am joined with my former college roommate, the man himself, Javon Twinkletoes Begard. I'm trying to think of a clever nickname for you. Nothing really comes to fruition. My toes aren't twinkling, but my eyes definitely are. Happy okay. to be here today, guys. Javon Dirtfeet Begard. There we go. <laughs> um, so we haven't done a podcast in about a month. Our sincerest apologies. Life kind of throws you in different directions. I went to Europe. I'm 30 now. Um... Much has happened, I guess, within the last couple of weeks. We lasted a podcast. Obviously, the NBA season is complete. Um, Cleveland Cavaliers got slaughtered in four games against the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, the biggest highlight from the first round series was J.R. Smith's mental lapse in game one, where he didn't really understand the time, how much time was left in the game, or he didn't know how many. Well, he didn't know the, the score. It was a score. Yep. They thought they were tied. Yep. He was trying. What was he trying to do, Javon? So. He assumed that Cleveland was up, and he thought that once the free throw was missed, hey, I'm just going to dribble the ball out. Obviously, he was wrong. Obviously, he got clowned on social media, and uh, Cleveland ended up losing the series. I think that was the turning point in the series, and that, that pivotal four seconds to end uh, regular, the regular regulation in game one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... JR I mean, doing JR things, basically. Pretty much, you know. I, I thought he, he stayed away from his inner antics, you know, the things that, you know, people know him for previously in his career. Mm-hmm. He stayed away from that for the most part during throughout the playoffs. I thought, you know, he was, you know, he shot the lights out against the Raptors and, you know, against Boston, you know, he did what he had to do to get them over the hump to get to the finals. And then in game one, like, you know, grabbing rebounds, making high IQ plays until that last four seconds and, you know, mm-hmm. fin- finally cracked. You know, JR being JR and uh, seeing what we got. I think a slaughter is the best way to put the finals, though. Like, Cleveland really? realistically had no shot. Come on, man. Four games and none. That one glimmer of hope was in game one, LeBron had arguably the greatest performance of his career, and then, like, just JR steals that thing from him, like, steals that legacy from him, steals yeah. that game from him. Yeah. And the team just couldn't really build up from there, man. You know, but, it's, it's, it's one man against the world, and, and clearly we saw it in the finals. I mean, 
to say a four game sweep yeah it was a sweep you lost four straight but to say a slaughter is to say that they lost every game by 20 points and game one they had they had game one and if they had game one who's to say that they wouldn't have game that game two is a wrap but who's to say they wouldn't have game three kevin durant was talking about his game one performance and talking about his being one of the worst games performances he's ever had in his career and how he came back sort of mentally revitalized in games second game two three and four so that's it right there. Kevin Durant having a sort of malaise in the first game, taking advantage of that. LeBron James willing his team to win. That like that is it right there. That's a slaughter after that. Like everything is just revisionist history. Let's go to game three. Let's go to game three. That wasn't a slaughter. They took it back to Cleveland. They had a chance. You know, they're competing, battling for the first three quarters, and then, you know, who was it that took over? It was Steph Curry who took over. He was making ridiculous threes. Like and I guess that's why he gets the big bucks, but you know, Who's to say, like, those shots... I mean, it's easy to say after the fact, like, if those shots didn't go in, obviously they went in. But, I mean, I don't think it was a slaughter. Sweep, yeah. Slaughter, no. I don't think it was a slaughter. I thought that, you know, Cleveland was Kyrie Irving away from seven-game series. Well, the season's over. Um, I think the actual... NBA Finals are the most exciting portion of the season's coming up very shortly with NBA free agency looming. Biggest name on the board, obviously, is LeBron James, but yep. Kawhi Leonard's popped up in multiple train discussions, has, which we'll get has. to in a second. Um, we have to start off with Raptors talk. We're not going to do the four quarters this week. We're just going to shoot the shit, have a conversation about basketball. Um, so, obviously, Dwayne Casey is out, currently hired by the Detroit Pistons, which we'll get to very shortly Congrats as well. Congrats to him. Um, we brought in Nick Nurse, an in-house solution, the former assistant coach, the big X and O's guy on Dwayne Casey's coaching staff. Um, I don't know too much about the guy's career. We're talking about Northern Iowa basketball. Yep. yep. Uh, won two G League championships. You know, yep. pretty high pedigree as an amateur coach coming in, and obviously was under the helm of Casey for multiple years. What do you get? What do you think of Nick Nurse' tenure with the Raptors, and what do you think he can do with the team moving forward, especially coming into next season? So, you know, what I would talk what I was talking about in previous podcasts was the Raptors needed a sense of continuity, but also a fresh face. Somebody who's gonna take what they did well previously, but then add that extra oomph, that extra juice, um, that extra maybe X's and O's out of timeout calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and supposedly he's that X's and O's guy, right? So hopefully him coming into this situation, you know. Playing formally or coaching formally in uh, Euroleague in Britain specifically, uh, he could bring that uh, X's and O's. Maybe you know expand further on the style of play, the, the culture reset thing right? that they tried to do last season, and you know just enhance that. You know exactly think outside of the box. Maybe bring in some fresher ideas, hmm. more different uh, strategies and ways to uh, expand on that culture reset that happened last year. Because to say that this season was a complete failure, I mean a lot of people would say that, but. Eastern Conference champions, most wins in the not the Eastern Conference champions, but most most wins in the East um, made it to the playoffs. Second round, uh, the regular season was good. The regular season was great, actually, mm-hmm. best best regular season in franchise history. And it was just you know in the playoffs, like they were unable to make the adjustments that they needed, especially against Cleveland. And you know the same way Cleveland lost to Golden State is kind of the same way the Raptors lost to Cleveland in the second round. So first game was really close and they they had multiple opportunities to, you know, take that game and they just couldn't close it out. So, I mean, maybe Nick Nurse is the guy who's going to get them over the hump 
coaching wise what do we have to lose realistically what do we have to lose we lost Wayne Casey we're the first team first place team in the Eastern Conference yeah. got demolished by Cleveland again in the playoffs yeah. obviously we're not going to trade every single player in the organization I would actually be surprised if DeRozan, Lowry or Valanciunas were traded in this offseason I still think Masai Ujiri is going to keep the gang together Give it one more shot. Give it one more go around. A lot less pressure without Dwayne Casey there. See what Nurse can do. Like we're talking about out of the box thinking as a coach when it comes to his strategy. You know his timeout calls. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that's that's I'm I'm not upset about it. You no, know, obviously no. it's not the flashiest signing out there. You know the names like Jason Kidd, Jerry Stackhouse, even Mike Budenholzer were kind of more sexier options. Yeah. But realistically, yep. this is the safest bet and see what we can actually get out of this current roster of players. So what do you expect out of uh, Nick? nurse like say like record wise for the Raptors next year like what would, what would be a success for him record wise I, in the, I, think, in, I think nurse is a guy that was in Casey's year that was really adamant about sort of playing positionless basketball emphasizing the importance of the three-point shot kind of bringing the Raptors from an ISO team into the modern generation of basketball mm-hmm. I think Nick nurse sort of championed that progression had a really strong year in Dwayne Casey's sort of strong or, uh, mouth, I guess. <laughs> voice, uh, voice. Voice in yeah, uh, yeah. Dwayne Casey's ear. Yeah, Sorry, I haven't yeah. done a podcast in a couple of weeks. My, my <laughs> words are a little bit... Uh uh, I feel your brother. Um, we're, 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 but no, yeah, and I I'm think I think that's what he's going to do. I think it's com- like constant innovation, constant evolution. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more three point shots this year. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot less isolation basketball. Okay. I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of you know free agents that come in. Yeah, his yeah. decisions when it comes to roster construction. If he's going to bring back Fred Van Vliet, who's on the chopping block, is he going to try to trade Serge Ibaka? But I think it's just going to be the same, a lot of the same last year, if not more. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, during the regular season last year, the Raptors beat a lot of teams just because they're more talented. Um, Let's see if he's able to, you know, kind of use that talent in a more productive manner where Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, the Raptors are winning because they're playing better basketball, not because they're a more talented team. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, Masai gives... This is Masai's first opportunity to hire his guy, his coach, because he obviously came in with Dwayne Casey already being there and then obviously extended his contract. So... I mean, with uh, what's going on now with the Raptors coaching situation, hopefully I think that uh, if Nick Nurse is able to, you know, pull off a season not as successful, a regular season not as successful as the Raptors this past season, so maybe, you know, 50 wins or 45 wins, I think uh, one step back to maybe take two steps forward, I think that would kind of be a success for Nick Nurse, so... Yeah, get another regular year. season wise, playoff wise. Yeah, get off those bad contracts. Yeah, build exactly. a roster in the vision of Nick Nurse. You know, guys who can fit that three point shooting philosophy of how to run an organization. Um, it's 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 tough though because like for me to sit here like what. Like, is that is that our goal next year? Not our goal, but is that, like, you know, like, how do we improve on what happened this season? I mean, the number one team in the Eastern Conference are getting demolished by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs. What if LeBron goes to Western Conference? Is our new goal going to be to go into the Eastern Finals? What about the improved play, proven of Boston Celtics, for example? Giannis playing another year in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. It's like everybody's getting, getting better, better, but we're yeah, taking you know, a step it's, back. It's really so. hard to say that we're going to be able to build off anything. And you're right. If anything, we're probably going to have to take two steps back to move one step forward. But that's that's Harry Nick Nurse. There's not a lot of pressure exactly. on this team coming in this season. If we brought in Mike Budenholzer. You know, the goal would be 60 wins and make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, exactly. I think right now, uh, I think it's fair for me to say that even getting in the playoffs is questionable at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you never know what's happening in Eastern Conference, right? I mean, 
Is DeRozan going to get better? What else can he work on next season? Obviously, maybe improve his three-point shot, but mm-hmm. what are the chances of that, right? Even during that season, people are like, oh, he has a three now. He doesn't have a three. Mm-hmm. His three is so streaky, it's not even funny. Right. He's only hitting a three if he's open or if he's hit like a few before. Right. But in pressure moments, he's not He's not hitting a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it would be nice. Raptors hit more threes, take more threes, but, you know, they got to be efficient threes. They got to be threes, you know, within a system where it makes sense, not just throwing them up there, throwing them up there. Filling a quota, know, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for them next year. My thing, like, what about Kyle Lowry, though? You know, I just, uh, he, he, Kyle looked all like great this year. Okay, yeah. a point guard of his age for the amount of miles under his legs, he guy looked fantastic. I'm just saying, coming into next season, typically you see at 32 point guards at that age fall off the face of the earth. They fall off a cliff when it comes to. You know, Who are we talking about? Darren Williams. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. like that type of that type of player, especially with Kyle Lowry coming into 32 and not really being recognized as the most. Uh, how can we put it? in shape point guard in the NBA. Um, He's improved. He's improved over the past few years. What about flipping Kyle Lowry for like 60 cents on the dollar purely as a means to reside Fred Van Vliet? So I can't remember what article I read today, but they're throwing a bunch of hypothetical trades out there. And one of them was trading Kyle Lowry to the Utah Jazz for Ricky Rubio and Alec Burks. Obviously, Ricky Rubio is not as... Uh, in the same playing field as Kyle Lowry is a point guard, but he does bring some interesting tangibles to play, specifically his court I think he's vision a tra- and playmaking he, yeah, skill. I was going to say, also, I think he's a top five passer. Also giving us the ability to reside Fred Van Vliet and having a backcourt tandem of Delon Wright, Fred Van Vliet, as well as Ricky Rubio, and losing, unfortunately losing Kyle Lowry, but having more salary cap flexibility. What do you think about that sort of idea? Not yeah. just in Kyle Lowry, but with DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas, getting a lesser return purely as a means to opening up the salary cap a bit more because we're stuck in like we're so close to the top we'll talk about this a little bit later like we have to do something but we're like what four million over like the luxury tax threshold with the Norman Powell contract kicking in next year yeah so no we definitely have to do something and you know the what the Raptors need to do is get rid of one of those three guys mm-hmm. Kyle, Demar, or Serge one of those guys has to go they're eating way too much you're not going to get too much for Norman I mean He's if anything, man, I, like it, these are the type of trades. Like again, like I think maybe we could get something for Lowry and DeRozan, but Abaca, Powell, and maybe even Valanciunas. Like we would have to offload additional assets just to get out of that contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, how about this one? You see DeRozan going to uh, Detroit? That would be interesting. I wouldn't. I would never consider a package involving. Reggie Jackson or Blake Griffin as a return for DeMar DeRozan. But if we got maybe, um, I don't even know what the salaries are, maybe a high salary if there's another one out there, inclusion of maybe like a Luke Kennard or a Stanley Johnson, yeah, I might be fine with that. Yeah. The one they're throwing out there at the Kawhi Leonard trade was a hypothetical, but it's like Pascal Siakam, OG Ananomi, DeMar DeRozan, maybe a future first for Kawhi Leonard. 100% I do that trade. Yeah, but you only get Kawhi for one year though. That's the problem with that. And you know what? At the end of the day, I still... And he's not re-signing with Toronto. He's going, he's going to LA. Yeah, and that's the whole thing with the draft coming up on Thursday. Sacramento fans are talking about flipping the second pick as a package for Kawhi Leonard. But realistically, like Kawhi Leonard is not going to go uh, to Sacramento and re-up with him after one year, right? Like, no. what, What's so enticing about playing in Sacramento or, or even Toronto for that matter? Well, we guess like, we get in the, the, the Kawhi Leonard situation right now. 
Um, obviously, Kawhi Leonard, very disgruntled forward for the San Antonio Spurs, had a hamstring injury earlier this year. Wasn't it a thigh bruise as well? Thigh bruise. That's my, that might have been it. Okay, a thigh bruise. San Antonio yeah, yeah. Spurs coaching staff, administration, their medical staff especially, didn't really... Um, understand the severity of it they didn't really think Kawhi needed to stay out that long Kawhi's counsel his friends his uncle the people around him felt that the injury is more severe hence why he was out for the entire season basically which led to this big issue between both Kawhi Leonard and San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich kind of saying um, you got to ask Kawhi's group how he's doing because there wasn't a lot of communication between both parties so Kawhi Leonard allegedly is asking for a trade right now to get out of this San Antonio Spurs. Um, first off, Javon, like, why did why would he want to leave San Antonio? Beyond beyond the injury with the whole coaching staff and the deep bone bruise, why would Kawhi Leonard want to leave San Antonio? Like, he's not like a Lavar Ball kind of persona where you know he just blurts whatever's on the top of his head to the media and whatnot. You know, whatever I'm going to say now is just going to be a conspiracy theory because whatever's out there in the media right now, mm-hmm. I just consider all that just conspiracy theories. Well, you think of Kawhi as like a very soft-spoken, down-to-earth, yeah. like you said, like not a big commercial self-branding guy. Right? So, I mean, like we could piece it together, right? So, what did the Spurs want of Kawhi going into this season? They wanted him to be take over what Tim Duncan was before. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in terms of like his leadership, but... Face in his of own the organization, in, face of the organization, kind you know everything flows through him. Uh, you know, kind of embrace the spotlight, I guess, in San Antonio. And for whatever reason, like you know, that just wasn't him. Like he just didn't want it. Uh, he's most effective when there was other guys who were running the ship, and then he was just that that loose cannon who they could, you know, that weapon, the X, weapon X, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, to just come in and take over games defensively like and offensively. He the joints, right? Exactly. He kept everything together. And he was the turbo as well. So, I mean, he was that guy. And then, you know, if you go back to the 2017 playoffs, when they faced... Uh, Golden State and they're actually up mm-hmm. and then Zaza injured him and that was like the start of like the whole downhill spin for him um, he was good that year like he was you know people were saying oh Kawhi's gonna win MVP the you're following talking about year. you know a guy who's capable of dropping 25 points per game on any given night plus he was back to back defensive player of the year Plus, you know, how many guys have finals that MVP? Set, right? He was the guy who took out LeBron James in 2014. Well, that's it. We talk about tiers of superstars. LeBron right? James stopper, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you you have the top, you have the second tier, you have the third tier. You know, you got guys like you know, in my opinion, like you know, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, kind of fit that third mold. You know, second mold, you got like James Harden, Steph Curry. Number one, like tier for me is Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and LeBron, LeBron James. James yeah. man. those are the top three players in the NBA. But kind of yeah. going back into like Kawhi Leonard, sort of. Um, mental thought as to why you want to leave San Antonio maybe going to a team like Lakers teaming up with LeBron James where he isn't the central focus point of the team's offense or team's identity in general being a sort of like secondary star a 1B star B star what have you You maybe that's what he's looking for exactly I think that is what he's looking for um that plus maybe going home back to Los Angeles, right? Well, marketability as well when it comes to, you know, make, like I think he turned out a $20 million offer from Nike. Really? So maybe going to LA, not playing in like a middle of nowhere in Texas and San Antonio. Yeah. You know, being like, I know we're not talking, I know we already recognize the fact that Kawhi doesn't really strike you as the kind of guy that's about his own brand, but maybe he is. You never know. Like, right. you know, this is all hypothetical conversation. And he also has influences in his ear, right? So like his uncle, we were saying earlier, and mm-hmm. you know, who else? His AJ, 
agent, maybe some other family members. So like he hasn't spoken on it to the extent that we could say, hey, what he's doing or what he's saying makes sense because really it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like you had a thigh bruise. I have a thigh bruise right now. I don't miss, you know, work for 90% of the time. He missed 73 well, I, I games. Think, I think the injury is pretty severe, but also going with that, I think there was also a little bit of a tumultuous relationship developing between two parties. Or yeah. both parties, rather. Yeah, the Spurs and Kawhi, right? Um, I mean, and then when you think about the rep- the reputation and of a guy like uh, Greg Popovich, what he's done for the San Antonio Spurs and basketball in general, mm-hmm. and then to even take it off the court, what he represents uh, socially in America, his way of standing up to you know the bigotry and the racism and all that stuff, right? You'd think that hey, you know what, this guy has my best interests, you know, on the court and off the court because these are my people that it's happening to, and just to see that 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 breakdown between Kawhi and Greg Popovich is just like what's going on like it just it doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. like people go to San Antonio not because uh San Antonio is such a, a miraculous great uh destination to live in they go there because they chase championships because they want to play for a great coach maybe like ma- maybe that's the reason maybe that's the reason maybe Kawhi's not chasing championships it's the opposite of what Kyrie did last year I guess you so. Know, I, think yeah. so. I think one of the big reasons why Kyrie wanted to leave Cleveland is that he wanted to get out of the spectacle, the circus of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and go to a team or a coach in a smaller market yeah. or a less sort of identifiable market that's more, you know, about X and O's and team progression and team first and everything you're kind of embellishing about Greg Popovich, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It seems strange. I, I, the, there's only three teams, realistically, in my opinion, that could facilita- facilitate a trade for Kawhi Leonard, and that's Philadelphia 76ers, Boston Celtics, and obviously the Los Angeles Lakers when it comes to assets. Clippers are kind of there, yeah. but like you know, w- would San Antonio take the 12th and 13th pick plus like Tobias Harris, for example, <laughs> in order to bring in Kawhi Leonard? Realistically, I don't see that happening. Yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a. It's going to have to be a creative deal for whoever lands Kawhi Leonard. And I still don't see Kawhi Leonard or Kawhi Leonard leaving San Antonio as being an option. Sorry, let me clarify. I still see Kawhi Leonard being in San Antonio next year as an option. So, I mean, if uh, he does stay, I would like to see how that works out. And I'd like to see the comments that are made when that happens. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Do you see Kawhi Leonard staying in San Antonio next year? Do you see? No, th- I don't think I don't think Kawhi is going to stay in San Antonio. I'm going to throw a few hypothetical trade scenarios out there. Okay. So we're going to talk. Let's say Philadelphia 76ers. It would have to be their tenth pick, Robert Covington, and possibly Markel Fultz for Kawhi Leonard. If you were R.C. Buford on the San Antonio Spurs, would you take that trade? Knowing what you know right now about Markel, Markel Fultz, Fultz, knowing yeah. it's only going to be a 10th pick and knowing it's going to be Robert Covington, who's yeah. a great, like, I think he made all, the first all-defensive team this year, but realistically, does he move the needle up you know, three position? But, like, you know, then I just like to think about Greg Popovich's coaching uh, schematics and his philosophy. Mm-hmm. The one thing that hurt the Spurs this year was their offensive situations and sets were great. They just couldn't hit a shot. Robert Covington can hit shots, mm-hmm. right? Marco Fultz can't hit shots, but he can penetrate the paint. So, I mean, I think whatever package you get for Kawhi, you're looking for shooters, you're looking for guys who can just hit hit shots. Mm-hmm. And then Greg Popovich will figure out the rest with the defense and whatnot. So, I think the Lakers, realistically, are the only team that can put together a package where San Antonio, A, does get a fair return for Kawhi, and also they get the right type of talent where they can still be competitive in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. And that would probably be a package involving... Um, 
you know, this uh, a future first. It would have to be Kyle Kuzma yeah. and Brendan Ingram involved in the trade. But oh, for me personally, I think Brendan Ingram's the kind of guy that Greg Popovich can mold into a superstar. Maybe not on the oh, same definitely. level of a Kawhi Leonard, but you know, a guy you know, almost six foot eleven, seven foot tall, He's like um, Kevin Durant, you know, competent stature. jump shooter, exactly. A guy mm-hmm. who has a physical mold, who has a size, who has the upside to be a superstar, yeah. and also his demeanor. He's from a small town. You talk about his personality outside the court you know he's a quiet you know self-composed like you know down-to-earth individual who you know realistically fits the mold of what greg popovich would want in the san antonio spurs when it comes to culture yeah for sure you've seen over the last two years right he was an outstanding role model of an nba player so absolutely absolutely but then you started just to last thoughts on that topic um would san antonio want to trade Kawhi in the western conference that's the next thing right Mm -hmm. so i was thinking maybe looking at New York, seeing what New York has to offer. I don't think New York has too many options, realistically, because when you're talking about the ninth overall pick this year, that's not going to move the needle. What about okay? Nikolina? They're not going to create Kristaps Porzingis. Frankie Natalikina is a good defensive point guard. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's necessarily a point guard. Um, but what, isn't but he like only think, 18 years old? Yeah, but I, I don't think him in common like, with the ninth pick plus what, like salary, like salary, like maybe Ennis Cantor or something. Like, what's a more enticing option? Frankie Smokes... And it's Kanner and the ninth overall pick, or Ingram and Kuzma, and maybe a draft pick. But then you don't have to face him in the playoffs or the regular season as much. So I think those things play a factor as well. You know, it's also a massive factor is not really understanding his injury. You know, yeah, the exactly. severity of the situation right? and the team's willing to sacrifice so much to get one hypothetical year out of him and hopes yeah, yeah. that he's going to re up with them afterwards. Um, okay, we're going to take a very short break. We're going to talk to Adil Saibzada. With Coach Adil Saibzada, who just came from the uh, what the FIBA tournament 2019, the uh, FIBA America's. FIBA Americas. There yes. we go. There we go. There we go. Javon uh, Adil, how you guys doing? Well, I'm good. I've been here. How you doing, Adil? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing? Let's get it rocking. Let's get it rocking. So tell us about it. Tell us about this FIBA Under 19 Americas uh, tournament that happened in St. Catharines, was it? St. Catherine, Niagara Falls, uh, great event, great venue, um, you know, Argentina, Canada, Panama, Puerto Rico, Ecuador, Chile, Dominican Republic, Argentina, and um, shoot, one more team. The Americas. America. Americas, there you go. There you go. I think the top four team or top three teams are guaranteed to advance to the, to FIBA Worlds. Okay. Um and I guess Canada, U.S., and Argentina advanced. Okay, so let's get to the nitty-gritty. How did Canada do? Canada's good. I mean, you know, it was pretty clear that there's a huge separation between the first-place team and the second-place team, which is Canada. The U.S. was just way better this year. Um, you know, as much as there was Canadians talking about, hey, they got, you know, a lot of talent with Andrew, Emmanuel Miller, you know, A.J. Lawson, and so on and so forth. But we didn't have the notoriety or the star power that the U.S. had. And it showed in the final game when, you know, we struggled to stay in the game past the first quarter. So I noticed you didn't mention R.J. Barrett. Was he not there? R.J. Barrett was eligible to play, but, you know, he chose to sit out because he's going to play with the Cinema National team. Wow. 
Yeah, and he he's had a busy busy year this year. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I think he was the unanimous for the first time in the history of high school sports. He was a unanimous pick for all five Player of the Year awards in the U.S. Gatorade Player of the Year, Slam Player of the Year, um, USA Hoops Player of the Year, USA Today Player of the Year, and then I think. Um, Naismith Player of the Year. So he pretty much already accomplished his job at the FIBA exactly. Under 19s last year. The the previous guy to do something close to this was Bill Simmons, uh, not Bill Simmons. Sorry, Bill, uh, the guy that plays on um, Philadelphia 76ers, Ben, ben, ben Simmons. Simmons. Like, like and Ben only you, won like, three of them. You you coach, okay? Yeah. Like just the concept of three five star recruits, the top three recruits next year. Obviously, Zion Williams. Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett all electing to play for Duke and they realistically all play the three position. Like, how does that work out? Like, I just don't understand the decision from RJ, especially a one to play in a program where your biggest competition, especially when it comes to draft night, are playing alongside you on a nightly basis. I mean, for RJ, he's he's always risen to the occasion, you know, since he was younger. And let's let's not let's not forget that he was playing on a team at at um, Mount Verde, which featured others, you know, stalwarts such as Andrew Nemhart, who was you know a top ten kid mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, you know, amongst others. Um, and he's been playing on the in, you know in the Jordan Brand Classic, Nike Hoop Summit played against these guys when in the FIBA Worlds last year and he's always been you know like a hyper competitor like yeah, you know, he I, needs a, the people yeah, around he him, wants to win in practice or yeah he wants to win he's, he's got like that alpha mentality he's mm-hmm. an alpha so pretty much he's not afraid of going against guys who would be considered to you know maybe take his spot or people would say hey you're gonna you know no I think he's he's preparing himself to rise above the challenge. Well, that's the exciting thing about him electing to play with the senior team, you know, being placed in a situation. Like, if he thrives in a practice atmosphere, what's going to happen to him when he's playing, you know, with a Tristan Thompson? He's going to play. He's I was going to say Andrew Wiggins, but... Eh. He's, he's actually... Pr- the funny thing is he's receiving more notoriety and more hype than Andrew Wiggins did at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and Andrew Wiggins was... You know, it was phenomenal. Well, like the amount of, you know, drafting. yeah, we're talking about athleticism. Andrew Wiggins is clearly an athlete, but like what I like to hear is coming from you right now when you're telling me that RJ is a competitor. Man, he thrives oh, in situations where like competitor. he he's got a chip like, on his shoulder. Exactly, he yeah. plays every possession. He plays on both sides of the floor, and you know we haven't seen anything like this in Canada. So get, let's go back to the tournament. Like, just yeah, uh, kind of off topic there. Yeah, but there are a few guys for Canada, like, you know, like coming up in the pipeline, because you do have, like, the Shea Gildas Alexander of this year, for example. You got RJ coming up next year. Who are a few guys that the general layman, especially when it comes to watching college basketball, March Madness, are people that Toronto or Canada basketball fans should be keeping their ear on the floor for? You know, I think, you know, a lot of people were talking about Andrew Demhart, point guard, 6'4, 6'5, point guard, uh, who, who has a chance who's going to Florida. But I think our takeaway from this whole weekend was, hey, shoot, there's a kid named Addison Patterson who's got a chance to be really special. He is 16 years old, and he was one of the leading scorers for Team Canada. And then the other you know, uh, really nice thing to see was the evolution of Emmanuel Miller and you know, the, con- the study, you know, the study, I guess, improvement that you see from AJ Lawson so the three of those guys I thought stood out the most. Uh, I think those guys, I wouldn't say they're next up. I don't think anyone is, you know, at the level that RJ is. Uh, but, you know, Canada basketball is in good hands. We'll, we'll, we'll continue being, you know, top two in the, in, in the world. 
uh, top the, two, top three. Yeah, right the, now we're ranked number three in the world. Are we really? Even and though yeah. we've never, we haven't been to the Olympics in 18 years. I'm talking about at the youth level. Oh, at the youth level. Okay. Yeah, I think. Which is a testament to the future of basketball can in general. You know, especially in comparison, the last few years, the amount of talent we're pushing out, especially in the draft. You know. Yeah. Like the guys I mentioned before, even some of the guys who, not, who didn't get drafted, but just the evolution of the program itself and just the talent we have. Like, shit, you know, like our biggest guy, and like this is no knock on him, was Jamal McGlory back in the day. And now we're seeing a litany of guys in the NBA who are not just big men, but skilled forwards like the aforementioned, you know, Barrett, Wiggins, even, you know, Alexander coming in as, in and my Barrett, opinion, the best And Barrett is draft. a point forward. He's he's going to play on the wing in the NBA. Yeah. And what is he's 6'8", 200 six, right now? Seven, yeah, like Sean, Sean Livingston, but like Sean Livingston's potential when he came in the draft before he had that knee injury. Yeah, he's got so many different comparisons. He can go so many, so many different ways. He, he's got, a, you know, he's and he's doing a great job. He's got good mechanics. He needs more repertoire uh, jump shot. Rojan Rondo with a jump shot. No, he's got he's he's a much better shooter than Rojan yeah. Rondo. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about his three point shot. I think he's got the best when he goes to the NBA. He might be the best mid range. He might have the best mid range pull up in the NBA next year. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, but his three-point shot, is, which is still very good, he had nine threes in the signature game, signature All-Canadian game, right? And it's not, and those are pro threes that he's hitting, so. Yeah, like, like, like Shea, right? He like. Well, he's a much better shooter than Shea, much better. Yeah, I, I, I just, I heard with RJ, like, he just like he's an inconsistent streak. Yeah, that was shooter. the issue with his yeah. shot. Like I, everything shooter. I heard about him, like athletically, shooter. it's there. You know, physically, yeah. it's there. It's just the inconsistency of his jump shot, game in and game out. Yeah, yeah. but he's young though, so he he still has time to develop that, right? Yeah, he's like he's, you, he, it's just repetitions with him. He's yeah. got good mechanics, and he's just three point shot. What's his comp? Pardon? Like, what would you say is a good comp for RJ? Okay. Like Scotty Pippen? Like it's an all D sort of like like it's really difficult to gauge his skill set, especially yeah, compared to you know, the NBA, yeah, right? You know, and I, and you know, as a coach, you're very careful to kind of put kind of like a benchmark for him so early in his career. Uh, he can become anything he wants to be. He can become the best version of himself. He could be better than Scotty. He could be, you know, not as good as Scotty. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in either direction because Scotty's a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. right? So what's next for Canada basketball? So we just completed the FIBA Americas under 19. Uh, they and play then, second. And then the senior men's team is right now is playing uh, a couple of exhibition, exhibition games, one against China and, and like next week in uh, Vancouver uh, before preparing to play the Dominican Republic sometime later in the month um, and get ready to, you know, I think the setup is a little bit different. I don't really understand it, but the idea is for them to, you know, win some of these games that gives gives them an opportunity to compete at FIBA Worlds next year for men. So, where do they have to place in these games in order to qualify? I think again, they have to be top four in the Americas. Okay, okay, yeah. and that's probably very similar structure, except now it's like a little bit looser, where the games are more um, contingent on when the countries are available to play, and then okay. the best few four records play. Okay, perfect. Move on. Nice, nice. Yeah. No, it's just I just I I can't believe uh, I can't believe we're at a point where I can realistically say, especially for FIBA coming up next year, that we have a shot at beating Can I um, being the U.S. Yeah, legitimately, next Olympics or the Olympics after that, Ajibar is going to win Canada their first Olympic gold medal. Hmm. Wow! 
It's just so under, un, like it's so disappointing like, uh, that, that Andrew team, Wiggins decided not you, to play this year. I want you to year. keep in mind on that team. Yeah. By that time, we'll have at least twenty-five to thirty kids playing in the NBA that we'll be able to choose the top twelve from. We can have Andrew Wiggins, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett, Tristan Thompson, Kelly Olynyk. Andrew Nicholson like there'll be no question about our depth next task is we'll have multiple NBA All-Stars playing in that game Dylan Brooks Tyler Ennis maybe Tyler Ennis like the list is endless right Canada basketball is looking beautiful going forward you're saying oh 100% mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's a hidden gem but it's not hidden too long like I was telling one of these coaches I, went, I recently went to a trip in China you know the same way we look at Canada right now is the same way we'll be looking at China in three years that's crazy. Tell us about that China trip, if you don't mind. Say what? Tell us about that China trip that you just went on. Oh, man. That was another Team you Canada. Know, besides, yeah. Besides, like, you know, that incredible experience to, you know, soak in the culture, soak in, you know, the cuisine, you know, and really understand the ways of the Asians, um, you got a chance to see how invested they are in this game. There's so much infrastructure, there's so much excitement, there's so much exposure, there's so much money, there's so much training. In fact, like a lot of these kids just go to these private academies and all they do is train. All they do is get better. All they do is lift. And you see, in the past, Chinese guards, they always struggled when they came to the States. But now they're starting to play with a little bit of some great toughness, swagger, shot-making ability, you know, craftiness that was previously unseen. Still not there at that level, but the fact that they're developing they're that swagger progress. speaks a lot yeah. about their progress. And then the bigs, you know, we have American and Canadian bigs that, you know, they just they just they, they they could either play hard or play really soft but when they play hard they can't control their emotional intelligence uh, Chinese bigs are, on the other hand they can play hard without worrying about what the refs are doing and it's just pretty intriguing and pretty you know it's like they're mature impressive. beyond their age when yeah, you and they just to play they, they, show, they showcase a pro maturity yeah you know. like the, the, the growth of basketball in Asia in general you know like you look at next year's draft you know, yeah. a top five pick could be Rui Hachimura, who was born and raised in Tokyo, Japan, who plays for Gonzaga right now. Yeah. You know, it's insane to think a population like China, there's yeah. going to be a couple outliners, a couple hidden gems, a couple athletic freaks that are going to come through the masses and just, you know, show up a lot of North American basketball players, uh, man. This, and that's this, just one market, you know, one market that's not really tapped quite yet. We'll talk about India, you know, other nations across the Middle East. You know, there's probably so much talent Africa. out there. It's just a matter of, you know, creating the infrastructure structure to unearth that sort of talent absolutely 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 don't be surprised if in the next few years the nba goes from being an american sport to a global sport that goes from being situated primarily in america to having multiple teams to uh, vancouver getting its pro team back to you know england getting a team to you know different European, close, closer European Scandinavian countries getting their European uh, uh, an NBA team. Don't be surprised. You know, it's in the works and that expansion is more realistic and more plausible than we think it is. Something similar to the way FIFA does it with the Champions League structure where you have like the best teams in Europe face the yep. best teams in North America for like a... And I wouldn't be surprised. There's so many different ways to do it. There's so many different models that have been proven. Yeah. And maybe an NBA, the NBA adopts a model of its own, unique to itself. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Maybe ex- instead of following FIFA uh, yeah. or FIBA, 
it would become like an NBA global structure kind of because exactly. obviously they don't like FIBA. There's a, there's a little animosity between them. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's crazy, man. All right, buddy. Thank you very much for joining us today. Mr. Adil Saibzada, the coach himself. Also, big thanks to Javon Bigard for joining us today. I am obviously Brandon Kajoka. We'll be back tomorrow evening. Christian Graf and I are going to do our own mock draft, 1 through 14. Um, big day for basketball, I guess. Basketball nerds like myself. Any last words, guys? Canada basketball on, the, on three. One, two, three. Canada basketball. <laughs>